0: How much will Australia's transition away from fossil fuels cost and how long will gas have to stay in the system? There are reports this morning that it could cost more than $60 billion to fully electrify every household that's currently using gas. That price tag is based on costings done by the Parliamentary Budget Office for Independent Senator David Pocock. One person who knows more about the challenges and costs of our transition to renewable energy is former Energy Security Board Chair and Independent Director at AGL, Dr Kerry Schott. Welcome back to Breakfast. Uh, Good morning, PK. Thank you. This $60 billion price tag is based on a model to give $13,000 to uh, households to help 1,000 homes in Canberra transition to become fully electric. How realistic is that Price tag if it went beyond this Canberra, you know, model to a bigger model.
1: I really can't comment on it. I'm not. Um, I'm not aware of those sorts of costings. But I, I would say that uh, the transition away from gas at the household level um, is something that would happen first in new builds. I don't think retrofitting older homes is something that. Um, all the country is likely to embrace. It is very expensive.
0: How long do you believe gas will have to stay in the system or will we always need at least the ability to use gas for, for um, that sort of capacity?
1: Look, we need gas for industrial processes. Uh, we don't need it in the homes um, and some homes will be much uh, easier to convert uh, to all electric than others. And new homes, of course, uh, should be made to be all electric.
0: Now, you've been really particularly critical of Victoria, which is heavily dependent on two ageing coal-fired power stations, Loy Yang A and B. Why are the challenges in Victoria so significant?
1: Uh, The main reason um, is that those two coal-fired power stations are at the moment such a big proportion of Victoria's electricity supply but um, Victoria um, has got at the moment um, fewer renewables uh, coming in but they are coming in now quite quickly and as more renewables come into the system uh, the coal the use of coal generation in Victoria will inevitably decline and has been declining actually.
0: What do you make of Victoria's plan to revive the State Electricity Commission and go into the energy generation space itself?
1: Look, I think uh, the government's appointed a good advisory board to advise it on that. And I know it has plans for offshore wind and has some very good sites in the Gippsland Basin. So that will bring in quite sizable amounts of renewable energy. It's just that these things take time and um, until the renewable energy is there to replace uh, the fossil fuel generation. You can't basically stop it.
0: Yesterday, AGL chairwoman Patricia McKenzie defended the speed of the company's transition to renewables. Do you think AGL is moving fast enough?
1: Look, I think we're going as fast as we can go. What, um, What drives the transition... In companies like AGL is the speed at which renewables are coming into the system and the speed at which they can actually be, their power can be delivered and that depends on the transmission build and the transmission build um, is going slower than um, the industry would like. Uh, That's partly because of all the difficulties with infrastructure projects everywhere, not enough skills, uh, a lot of time for approvals, uh, a lot of time in planning and, you know, all all of that. Uh, But it is coming and there's a lot of big transmission build going on, including in Victoria,
0: actually. Okay, so that transmission build is key and it is going slower. Is there a way of hastening... (laughs) That build obviously you just identified a couple of things. You know, obviously labor labor issues is one of them, but the other part of the equation you said is is approvals. Is there a way of making changes, and should they be made? I think we
1: can always improve the approval process, but we do have to. And Victoria indeed has taken steps to do that, but we do have to make sure that the community is consulted properly and uh, ideas they have about where the transmission should go are taken into account. So it's never going to be a hasty um, process, so it's always going to take some time. But when I say it's running late, it's it's running um, sort of a year or two late. It's not running, you know, decades late. So... Uh, and we will catch up. Uh, the thing... The thing about gas that um, I would highlight is that once we get to around 82%, 85% renewables in in the electricity system, which is where we're aiming to get to um, by sort of mid-30s, we will need to back that renewable up with FIRM, which is basically batteries and hydro, and uh, most of the coal by then will be gone. So we will need a little bit of gas for when there's no wind or sun and not enough hydro. And the gas plants won't run very often. but you know, And I'm talking, you know, maybe a few weeks um, a year. But we will really need them when we need them. And
0: For how um, long will we need gas?
1: Well, the thing... Is, we will need a little bit um, and I do want to stress that it's not very much um, and I think we will need it until hydrogen is available and as, as you know, um, hydrogen pilot plants are being uh, built all mm. over the place and mm. we're experimenting with it but most of the commentators who know more than I do are suggesting um, probably early to mid-30s.
0: Just finally, you've recently completed a review of the Troubled Inland Rail Project, which is now massively over budget and behind schedule. Uh, The government hasn't released your report yet. How significant are the challenges? Oh, its
1: it's challenges are significant. It's not... um, It's a huge project. It's the equivalent of building a railway line from London to the Ukraine border. So uh, it's a very... We forget how big Australia is. And about half of the build is on a railway line that has to um, keep functioning. So upgrading that track, uh, you know, has to be done at particular times, which is a slow process when you've got to keep other trains running on it. So um, it's a lot of the overruns connected to uh, just the size of the project and the um, uh, and the time it's taking.
0: What are the broader lessons, just briefly, for, for government in big multi-state infrastructure projects like inland rail?
1: Oh, look, I think each project runs into um, similar problems like Um, skills that I've just spoken about, but also um, problems that are specific to the project. And I'm really reluctant to Mm -hmm. talk about the problems with inland rail until the government releases the report, uh, which I'm sure they'll do shortly.
0: Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Kerry. Thank you, PK. Former Energy Security Board Chair and Independent Director at AGL, Dr Kerry Schott.
1: Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.